0: We're back to being a normal country. We're back to being a country.
1: The British Dream Podcast. Join us, powerful people, as we launch our despicable acts like these. And the sickening and barbaric politics. What I hate about this up in is that it's so violent. When the next phase of this disaster comes, they will come for you.
2: Hello and welcome to the British Dream, a monthly politics podcast. My name's Simon Childs, Home Affairs Editor at Vice.com. I'm here with Johan Koshi. Hello, and Angus Harrison. Hi. And we're all wildly excited by the news that snapped us out of our bank holiday hangovers, as Theresa May called a snap election. Um, Personally, I haven't stopped honking my big democracy klaxon ever since, and I'm super excited to give the government a mandate for everything that's going to happen in the next few years. We're talking about the general election called by Theresa May. How did we get here? How shit do we feel about it all now that we are here? And how do we make ourselves feel a bit less shit about it all?
0: At this moment of enormous national significance,
1: the country is coming together. Try to calm down. But Westminster is not. And behave like an...
2: So just two years since the last one, and after a mere seven times saying there shouldn't be one, Theresa May called a slap election. But yeah, Johan, what, why is this happening now?
1: Well, the, the, the short-term reason she gave was that she went on a, a walk in Snowdonia, which I thought was a nice little detail over Easter, over the Easter weekend, with her husband in uh, North Wales, walking through the sort of idyllic landscape, and then uh, relu- I think I was reluctantly and slowly came to the conclusion that she needs to be given more power. Um, That's such a good image. Yeah, it is. I guess she must have been st- because there's no people there. It's just the rolling landscapes, and she must have just surveyed it and just thought, "I need. I want. I want this." <laughs> Even more. i mean i 've already got it, I want more of it, I want more of it, um, and so that was the re- but I mean, as people have pointed out it 's probably been in the back of her mind for a few weeks, at least since um, the government had its uh, the national insurance contribution increase uh, sort of we had to back away from that um, I think she wants to free herself from cameron 's manifesto. Which was providing a bit of a straitjacket for her. Um, It was a manifesto for a pre-Brexit world, mm. which said it was pretty generous and pensions uh, it out. So there wouldn't be any tax increases in national insurance, which is why she had to go back on, on the NI thing. But basically, all, all of this is, is the background noise to Brexit, which which is the, as everyone seems to have worked out, is, is, is the reason it's happening now. But having an election now, she gets to move the next election to 2022.
2: So basically, she can do Brexit. It will suck and be horrible for everyone. No one will like it, including brexiteers and she will have some time to suck that up is that right rather than doing brexit it's horrible and immediately people get a chance to
1: voice their displeasure
2: out the ballot box straight away
1: exactly yeah i mean she she has that you know that pathological insistence on brexit happening being a pure clean rupture with the past and we it won't be like as it was before Mm. and if people were deciding were evaluating that in 2020 it would just be like it was before because wouldn't, we wouldn't really be out the European Union by then. We'd be in some sort of transitional agreement if we even got that far if the negotiations didn't even break down. Um, and so she, she's—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's pretty long-term strategic thinking.
2: How, how important do you think it is that? Um the Labour Party's not in a good place, and it's an opportunity to just screw them over forever.
1: Yeah, I mean that helps. That helps quite a bit. Um, there, there was polling two weeks ago by Lord Ashcroft, which provided evidence for this. Even though in her speech she, she claimed that she was doing this because there was just too much opposition um, <laughs> coming from all from left, right, and centre. Um, imagine that. The sort of parliamentary democracy. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was going to say that was kind of the funny thing about this whole the the rhetoric that's been used around this, especially the front page of the Mail that was like, "crush the saboteurs." And I was like, I just don't think Jeremy Corbyn's a man that needs crushing. <laughs> he just doesn't pose that kind of threat to me. I'm not sure
2: he's someone that needs to be crushed. Yeah, he's kind of limp as it is.
0: Yeah, he looks a bit crushed. He looks perpetually kind of like in the state of being slightly crushed, both mentally and physically.
2: In terms of Leopard and whatever. Like, how how cynical is this from Theresa May? I mean,
1: no one calls an election without being necessarily manip- you don't want to manipulate the situation. That's why you, they call an election. I, I think she. I think in her mind, she's doing this because she actually wants, in her own fantasy world, well, she wants Brexit to happen the way she wants it to happen, and the way to make that happen is by calling an election now, not having one in 2020. So it's cynical insofar as you know, this is everything is cynical. But but I, I don't think it, I think it it does represent a different way of thinking on, on on our half.
0: I kind of find the obsession with the word cynical with this whole announcement a little bit odd just because I can't really think of any situation like this that wouldn't be in some way cynical. Like, of course, she's trying to optimise the situation for herself. That's kind of just the nature of the political
2: culture we've existed in for however many years now. And also, she seems to be kind of... Um giving herself a carte blanche, like she doesn't have any real policy positions, doesn't seem to be coming at the electorate, saying much at all. And so it feels like if she wins, it will just be like this mandate to carry on doing whatever it was that she wanted to do.
1: Well, she hasn't had a chance. She had a a Tory party conference speech last year. Um, That was the only so far the only sort of major statement of any kind of ideological departure from the cameron era and it was different it was a different kind of uh, a different kind of conservatism she said some things about price ceilings for for utilities for gas that
2: utility bill thing is actually a bit interesting if you're like a politics buff because like didn't M. Miliband say the same thing oh yeah i got totally like crucified in the press it was bolshevism yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and now it's amazing and it's like mm, yeah. that's
1: all fine yeah <laughs> we don't know what what their campaign is going to look like yet um And I think it will be kind of cultural, the ground that she plays it on, appealing to some of this citizen of nowhere versus the rooted, grounded. Uh, sort of, you know, uh, uh, sort of uh, British person that, that, that she outlines. Um, I think citizenship, culture, belonging, us versus them, uh, the metropolitan, uh, manipulative, liberal uh, Westminster elites versus the unified people. These are the kind of rhetorical moves she's playing right now. And I think we might see them institutionalized over the next few weeks by Linton Crosby's um, campaign.
0: I think the biggest technique is just going to be. Invisibility. Like she's already said that she's not going to do any televised debates. I think there was also something in a similar blog that I was reading that she's going to. The manifesto is going to be much slimmer than David Cameron's was. I just think that I just think that's going to be one of the most striking things because, especially given the polling, surely the logical campaign technique for this would just to be kind of just to sit back and let this mess sort itself out and then on the last day just be like oh just a reminder please vote for me when you arrive your, your yeah you know like just put put an appearance in the very end i i just i'll be interested to see how present she is at all i could imagine her doing like three maybe like big flagship interviews throughout the campaign and other than that doing very little press and just kind of walking it
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be kind of a void of an election because like there's no TV debates. There's no charisma coming from anywhere because, yeah, it's kind of easy to forget. Everyone goes on about Jeremy Corbyn's lack of charisma and like fine. But it's easy to forget that Theresa May, I think she's like nearly as bad like on the Today program today. She's as sort of robotic and uh, she's like grasping for predefined press release statements and, like, not doing very well at it and not coming across very, like, easy breezy at all in much the same way as Jeremy Corbyn gets criticised for. Mm. You um,
0: can tell with both of them, like, I think this is a real reader of how uh, good a politicians are speaking is that when they do have a good line, like, how pleased they are with that good line. Like, when <laughs> they say something effective in a debate in Parliament, both Jeremy Corbyn and Theresa May both, like lose their shit at how good or funny the thing they just said was like the they're, they're, I mean, famous. Fair, like, i spent
2: literally all of yesterday looking at twitter because i got like mad RTs.
0: yeah true so, so it's like a, so you know that feeling then when you finally say something funny yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just but i'm not it. or
1: anything so <laughs> neither of them are telegenic but in kind of different ways And um, it's kind of the first election in a while where there hasn't been some sort of greasy blairite cameron-y articulate person there's always, like, some person who represents that kind of certain way of, you know, the thumb instead of pointing, that whole, the, the tough, to, or that, that kind of way of presenting it on TV. Um, neither of them do that. They, they both do it in different ways. Don't, they both don't do it in different ways. But, yeah, it, and that's partly probably why she's hiding from debates.
0: Neither of them are going to jump out behind the podium and, like, walk up to the audience with their shirt sleeves rolled off doing the no finger yeah. point thing. Or we'll try like, to I
1: remember can't... anyone's name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so to exactly. Say it again. <laughs> thanks right. thanks very much yeah. for that question that's not a yeah. normal thing to do if someone yeah. remembered my name when I told them to once I would be suspicious of them that's not <laughs> that's,
2: yeah whereas Theresa May is more of a kind of I don't know your name I don't really want to know <laughs> because we're all the same person
0: we're all just a big British blob yeah, yeah. Have thank
2: you British citizen <laughs> for that question
0: <laughs> we will all get numbers maybe that'll be part of our manifesto we'll all be numbered citizens
2: I mean exciting. they p- could probably still win the election with a, with a manifesto <laughs> pledge to like I'll replace
1: your names with numbers <laughs> yeah. Tory supermajority yeah. yeah, it would happen, it would
2: um, I guess one of the things about this was that it was kind of a shock all these sort of political hacks for complimenting the government on how no one knew it was going to happen which you know suggests good planning or party loyalty or something and yeah it was a shock, it was quite weird um, I guess we should think about what has changed in the last like what 36 hours or so from a uh, Monday morning, 10 a.m.
1: to now we're having an election. You're right, definitely. Shot. I would also be surprised if Linton Crosby and his army of darkness hadn't been doing soundings for a few for a, a little while now. The Telegraph reported that the Tories were refusing to comment as to whether he'd known before. He's the guy who was behind Cameron's uh, last campaign. He was behind the, the EU referendum. He was also behind Zach Goldsmith's very racist and ultimately uh, failing campaign in London. Um, he's, thought of, he's thought of as a, as a, as a wizard... That's the term people use. He's obviously a very good at what he does, he has a lot of money. Um, and there were yeah, suggestions he's they've been doing some some internal polling.
2: I was talking to a teacher who was just like I said, what do you think of the election? And she said, like after talking about the election for a bit, she then went on to talk about how disgracefully underfunded schools are. I like asked a doctor that I know, like just off Twitter, like, what's the vibe on the wards about the election? do you have election fever? And he just said, I don't think so. We're really struggling right now. And he's like two really bleak, brief lines. The weird
0: thing is it feels like we weren't discussing those things before because of Brexit, like the NHS, uh, school funding, uh, social care, all these things have been being ignored by the government in favour of Brexit. And now what's really annoying is that the tone of this whole election is all going to be about fucking Brexit again. And it's not at any stage like already Labour have kind of like tried a, their attempt to just like move attention onto the NHS and onto social care and you know public services in general. But you can just you can just tell the way that the press has reacted to those things, the way that kind of initial feedback from those, is react, uh, those reactions have played out that those things just aren't going to figure in the conversation. Everything is going to be about Brexit. What kind of Brexit would Labour deliver? What kind of Brexit is Theresa May walking towards? So it's not necessarily, I don't think that we're going to, there are things that we are talking about now that we're not going to be. It's more that we're still not going to be, and it's going to get even further, more kind of ingrained in that, yeah. Brexit conversation we seem to have been having for the last 12,000 years.
1: The Lord Ashcroft polls from two weeks ago, although they showed how dire, uh, you know, say, uh, Corbyn and Labour is in, people said that although they recognised Brexit to be the most important issue for the country, it was only third most important when describing their own immediate and family circumstances, the NHS uh, and the cost of living came before it.
2: <laughs> You're joking. Not another one. Oh, for God's sake, I can't, honestly,
1: I can't stand this. There's too much... pop.
2: So we've got election fever. Uh, It's the kind of fever that makes your joints ache and you bleed out of your eyes and you spew shit out of every orifice and then you die. Brenda from Bristol spoke for The Nation on Tuesday with her classic speech. Or did she? Maybe everyone's really, really hyped for this epic greatness that's about to unfold. Perhaps the people want to give their withered democratic limbs a bit of a stretch. Angus, you had a chat out on the street with a few people after the announcement, right?
0: Yeah, I did. I just wanted to get out there and feel the buzz.
1: I bet you are proper game for the election. Of course, that's going to be great. Theresa
0: May, Jeremy Corbyn, and the other guys. So Theresa May announced snap election yesterday. Is that something that you're excited about or are you kind of done with the whole thing? hesitant. As a hesitant, I'd rather she prioritise on the Brexit, uh, prior, getting that sorted out, the deals, the trade deals, ironed out, rather than doubling up our efforts um, with election as well. All right. Do you think you will be voting, though? Are you kind of pretty engaged? I'll vote, yeah. Do you know which way you're going to go? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Are you excited that there's another general election, something else to vote for? How do you feel about that?
1: No, I feel bad, but that's up to them, right? Yeah. I'm do
0: you sure. know which way you're going to vote? Out. Out. Alright, nice one. Um, do you, you to... vote, out I've decided yet, yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. But out. Are you fed up of
1: voting for stuff? Do you think there's been kind of too much pop- Yeah, I mean, when, once you vote, you want to go in, it doesn't get in anyway. As as you know, it's like you vote, so you vote in.
2: <laughs> I'm not clued up enough to know enough about it to have an opinion. Right. I would say.
0: Do you think there's been too much to vote on and kind of think?
2: Yeah, it's all got a bit silly, if I'm honest. I think it's just all gone a bit crazy, hasn't it? Do
0: you think you will still vote then?
2: Possibly. Possibly. I didn't vote last time because I didn't know enough about it, so I didn't feel like I had the right opinion to vote. So I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to read up about it and see what I think. Cool.
0: But you're not really feeling like election
2: fever? No, I'm not. I'm not reading anything about it. I've had enough of it, I
1: don't want to know anymore. Uh, I wouldn't say excited, quite
0: intrigued, interested to see what happens. I think there's too much going on, I don't think it's the right decision. I'm going to have to do a lot of research to be honest. So no, I don't know
1: yet. I'm not
0: really that interested. My
1: husband will probably vote on my behalf. I distance myself so much from like politics and generally um, the news in general. I don't know why I find that uh, I'm in such a good headspace, like daily and I'm so focused on what I want. It sounds really selfish, but like I just don't read the newspaper. I don't listen to the news because I think it's just all so negative, this, that and the other. And I think I just want to think about me. I don't really know. I have. I can't, I know so little about politics. That I wouldn't even be able to comment. So do you think you'll vote? Yeah, I will definitely vote. I'll probably just you know do the old classic. What's what's my friends voting for? And then you know, I'll, what happened last time was literally it was a few days before, and I started to then pay attention to what you know all the policies and that kind of thing, and then I just voted and you know obviously voted to stay in.
2: We want to put a case out there for the people of britain oh, so yeah angus what, what was the vibe on the street
0: i mean it's always striking when you, you you go out and chat to people who aren't thinking about or reading about politics on a more daily basis um but today was particularly just striking in terms of how ambivalent everyone was and how confused everyone was nobody understands why this is happening and a lot of people don't even understand what it is like a you probably heard there's like one guy who I asked him which way he was going to vote. And he said out like he genuinely thought that this was a second EU referendum. And it's really like your reactions to kind of laugh at that is kind of funny, maybe. But it's also maybe not mm. that surprising that if that's all that's being talked about in the news and suddenly there's another election happening of some kind. You know, why wouldn't you think that this was another
2: EU referendum in some shape or form? It definitely feels like an election that no one really wants. I was also
0: surprised by how many people, how reluctant people were to a commit to voting at all. Um, and then on top of that, how reluctant they were to commit to any kind of party or politician. Like Jeremy Corbyn's name wasn't mentioned once, Theresa May's name was never mentioned, no party was mentioned at any time. It was more this sense of, I will probably have to drag myself to a polling station in order to do my bit. But I mean, like, nobody knew what they'd actually be doing when they got there.
2: I tend to be quite cynical come election time anyway. But this election feels like such an obvious piece of political manoeuvring like so naked such such a like such a lack of effort to even really dress it up as we're we're really seeking the voice of the people that it's like why would you want to be part of just a piece another piece of Tory political posturing
1: well at least the game has rules there are some impersonal rules that you play by and if you don't play politics uh, like a game then there are no rules and you can just do what you want and in a sense that kind of authoritarian recklessness I think really came out yesterday where she was just like yeah, I want to do this um, without uh, thinking about the way it might resonate, as as Angus was saying, with, with with people who who will just be even further disengaged by it. I think there'll be probably a really low turnout. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. definitely. Because, I mean, the election is premised
2: on what Theresa May said. Uh, every Conservative vote makes me stronger. And, like, as a kickoff to an election, like, we're doing this vote because... I want more power, please. Yeah, so she said
1: me t- quite a few times. Said it will make me stronger. It was really weird. Yeah. yeah,
2: and it's like, so if you could just deliver that, British public, that would be fab. Thanks.
0: It feels like, like resending a form on the internet. You, know, you have to like refresh a page to do something again. It's like she just needs to reload the political system. So she's like legitimized completely, and then she's like, "Cool, we can go." And I think with them, this is one of the reasons that I think people were so ambivalent when I was talking to them. It's like we're going to sit in this pub for like a good hour and debate and like discuss what we think is the game plan here. Like, what are the kind of machinations that are going on behind the scenes that mean she's chosen to do this? Like, why the fuck would you? would you care if you weren't like as we are actually you know being paid to do this yeah, yeah. then then why would you take the time to try and work out what the long term scheme
2: was here it's like this is our life now like being asked again and again to like yeah. submit to, uh, to
1: being kicked in the balls again like it was a referendum it was very unique it felt like a sort of moment of, of transgressive excess and everyone came out and you could do something like first possible post-general election if she's hoping that same coalition of different people like you know post industrial leave sort of working class areas middle class suburbia old people will come out again in the same numbers then then they they won't
2: if it's going to be a low turnout what is the impact of that what does that mean
1: well i think a low turnout probably won't be distributed evenly amongst all demographics there'll be a certain group of people who who don't turn out a lot more than others, and that might just favour the Tories because the people who do vote, who always vote, are uh, Tories. Um, but uh, so, so, in a purely electoral sense, th- that's what a low turnout could mean. Um, in a wider sense, just, I don't know, more alienation from 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 this from this from the political system as they see it.
2: Yeah. So if alert, a low low turnout means Tory victory, but the Tories are going to win anyway, right? So if you're going to go to like uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll get onto Labour's <laughs> prospects in a sec. But like, if you're going to like Stoke or somewhere like that that has like a historically really low turnout, and you meet like a guy who's like, "Yeah, why would I bother? Like, they're all assholes. Fuck them." What would you say to be like, "Well, actually,
1: voting is great, and you should definitely do it." That's an impossible conversation. And I'm sure there might be people doorstepping for all kinds of parties who might be forced to have it. Um, You you can't and you shouldn't really. It's a rational decision on on their part. If if society was sufficiently politicised, they wouldn't even be asking that and they would be voting. And you can't reverse engineer it so that everyone cares about politics when you want votes. Um, You need to build constituencies and that takes generations.
0: We haven't been given long enough to recoup and regenerate Election fever. You need that five year gap between elections to. For antibodies. To, exactly, yeah. to flush the system, the election fever out of the last one, and then rebuild that level of hysteria that can only come from watching
1: David Dimbleby. I was going to say he's going to be like he's not doing it this year. This is last not. last time was his last See, one. See,
0: this whole thing's fucked up. And also, this <laughs> is how they're also yardsticks. I feel like there's such yardsticks, like general elections. Like they come around. You you look at where you think about where you were when you voted in the last one. Like how old you were. Like oh, I just finished my A levels. Like I was I was with that girl at that time, and now I'm not. This one's come around. So nothing's changed this one at all. Which on a personal level, I think is really selfish because yeah. I quite like using them as little. Photo albums. Of so they were going to be life.
1: nice on. The, there was going to be every five years, like five, 15, 20, 20 It's nice. There's a nice oh, symmetry yeah, to gross. that. Now it's going to be like seventeen, twenty-three. These this are the things like she did One of the many things she didn't. Yeah, about
0: I yet. bet she turns the TV volume up to like twenty-three and then leaves it, and you're just sat on the sofa. But Philip May sits on the sofa, looking at the volume at twenty-three, clenching his fists, but knowing he's powerless because he's married to the most powerful woman in the country.
2: What would it take for the country to get enthused about this election?
0: It's taken from the people that I spoke to. You probably heard a couple of people there mentioning that they were kind of confused and disoriented by it, but also prepared to listen and learn maybe and kind of hopefully try and influence things. So, so I kind of I don't have faith in the idea that really complex messages and uh, the real like, yeah, the intricacies of the conversation will be able to kind of get into the public mainstream anytime soon but i do think that if oppositions can come up with really clear strong messages i do think there may be some messages that would hit home i think that there are things to be said about the single market and there are things to be said maybe about the nhs that could potentially sink in but i think they'd have to be very very clear and under five word long sentences effectively i think that's kind of the only way
1: out of that forty-eight percent, there will be a pretty fervent, uh, you know, passionate, zealous section who who will care about this. Um, perhaps more than anyone the 48% else. Forty-eight percent of EU of people who wanted to to remain. In that section who who still the think, saboteurs. The saboteurs exactly. The um, who, who, who need to be extinguished. Um, I'm sure uh, uh, th- there'll be a section of them who. Be way more enthused about this than anything else because it gives them a chance. Depending on what constituents there is, to maybe um, get some Lib Dems um, in or to oust oust some Tories. Um, but uh, I basically, in the next seven weeks, can't imagine what anything anything interesting happening to the extent that people are enthused. There's
2: a bit of me that wants to. Order! So now we're here, I guess we've got to deal with it one way or another. Um, let's see if we can find any traces of hope or maybe some vague positives to hold on to or something. Johan, what are you going to do? Are you going to vote for?
1: Yeah, Labour. I'm going to vote, vote Labour. There's not really anything else I can do. Um, and I want to. You know, I want to vote Labour. I want to vote for Jeremy Corbyn. I think it's a good thing. On a, pure, on a purely formal level, it's incredible that he could be, you know, a, a radical socialist candidate could be prime minister. In a month. He won't, but it's it would purely that's... That's that's that is really quite something, um, and so you know I'd have to I have to vote for that. Um, uh, I saw there was a Google Doc going around uh, Facebook the other day or yesterday, um, and someone had made quite a detailed uh, th- uh, sort of chart of where to vote to oust the Tories. And like, depend. You know, should vote Lib Dem if you're here, or you should vote. It doesn't matter if you're here. I thought that was quite a good sign um, that at least sort of uh, you know, rabid anti-Toryism could uh, could could be a sign of hope um, for people who um, who are happy to vote Lib Dem or Labour or even another party, depending depending where they are. Um, So yeah, I'd vote. um, I vote Labour. um, You know it would be you know, melancholic casting of a vote, but then it always is when you vote Labour. So um, it's just a slightly different context, you know, but there's always, there's always hope, you know, you can always rest hope from, from the, from the bleakest moments. I hope. I hope.
2: Yeah. It's a good message.
1: Yeah. Um, Angus, what are you thinking?
0: Um, personally? Yeah. Similar reflexive vote for Labour that would happen probably regardless of the situation. It's it's been interesting seeing people process the other possibilities other kind of left-leaning voters seeing what they try and do um, I like that Tim Farron despite kind of now being like grilled on every interview he does about his attitudes towards uh, same-sex relationships um, and basically making it pretty clear that he does believe that homosexuality is a sin I like that people like, I've seen Guardian columns and, and a lot of other people on Twitter saying like yeah well that's up to him and you kind of think if that was a UKIP candidate, the reception they'd get for those comments, it would be literally like, this is why this party is so disgusting and poisonous. But now because everyone's kind of like, well, I don't want to vote for Jeremy Corbyn, so weird old Tim Farron's kind of my best bet now yeah and yet I, and despite him now coming out and saying like I think homosexuality is a sin everyone's suddenly like yeah well you know we've all got our quirks haven't we <laughs> that's just Tim's thing that's Tim's way yeah you know like as if that's still like a
2: viable option yeah I didn't find it massively comforting that he was like look we're all born in sin yeah that's nice isn't it like, uh,
1: that's a really they, good campaign uh, message said, if he said that to every question he was asked <laughs> then maybe I'd be I'd be like every time he's like oh, we're all sinners so I'm, not, I'm not gonna Answer that we're all sinners, <laughs> but he only seems to say it when he's asked yeah. about same sex marriage.
0: I hope it but... becomes their campaign slogan <laughs>
2: <We're>... <laughs> live democrats because we're all born sinners. I <laughs> like... could maybe vote for that, actually. Tim Farron thing. I agree if it, if it was Nigel Farage or someone having like having these thoughts and saying, No, but you know, th- they're, they're allowed to do what they want, but I think they're sinners. I agree, like, yeah, the Guardian, whoever would be like rightly kicking off massively in a way that maybe they're not, um, but also isn't one of the most depressing things about this whole shit show, like the resurgence of the Lib Dems, like a party who fucking stabbed everyone in the back and then reaffirmed that they would join a Tory government again, only like, I think it was last year or whenever Tim Farron got in, he said, yeah, I I would rejoin a Conservative government because it's okay to want to win or something along those lines. I think a lot of their popularity comes from a
0: nostalgia from that simple time before brexit as well we were saying earlier about how this is like the first time. election where there isn't like a kind of shiny blairite candidate and mm. i guess the liberal democrats are kind of the closest you have to like a man aged somewhere between 35 and 45 in a suit speaking relatively like relatively mm. eloquently about a broad socially liberal but economically down the line things so maybe that's the yeah, attraction there is like
2: believe that
0: like oh no no i mean i'm not i'm not gonna be door stepping with that message myself yeah, but, yeah, yeah uh, right. i do think Sorry. i think that's a lot of yeah <laughs> i'll calm I think... down <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, mate. um i do think that's the attraction it's just like a it's it's the very very remain nostalgia for remember when everything was kind of shiny and
2: new yeah you're saying voting labor is, is going to be a kind of despairing thing and i definitely get that sense of like everyone kind of feeling duty-bound to do it and it feels like that's going to be quite a tough sell to everyone. And there's this this move of people being like, hey, Corbyn could win. We could create this better world, which, great. But is there an extent to which that's like leading
1: people up a garden path and it's not going to happen? His team needs to be just be sort of uh, unapologetically populist. uh Construct some sort of um, some sort of ninety nine percent one percent kind of dichotomy, or like the, La Casta which like Podemos had. There isn't much time to do, the, do this, and they should have been doing it a while ago. And just go like, just go full full out, go full blown, uh, full, communism. full communism now. Yeah. Um, and just well, you need to. They need to just get these certain certain policy, certain radical policy platforms like a maximum wage or whatever. They just need to get them out there now. What else can they do other than put these ideas? Produce these ideas, have these policies, try to normalise them at least within Labour for now, and then just see, just watch the what, see how the whole the whole party slowly collapses and falls apart in the in the months that come. Um, but like anyone who's in Labour or was sympathetic Labour knows that everywhere these centre left parties are collapsing across Europe. It, it's it's been happening for ages, and when Corbyn came, people thought, oh, this might be a way of bucking the trend. Um, or maybe it's, it was just another variation in what has been the decline of like the Socialist Party in France, PASOK in, in Greece, all these centre-left parties that don't know who they're supposed to represent or why or how.
2: Some of the people who won't be depressed will be the Labour right, who are kind of really pleased that as they see it, Labour's going to get a shellacking and then there'll be an opportunity to get rid of Corbyn once and for all.
1: Mm. Uh, oh, they're loving it. John Woodcock already said that he's going to continue standing if I'm correct, because it's like a safe seat, but he will not, couldn't countenance voting for Corbyn. But Which is if, a bit um, of a
2: like, have your cake and eat it.
1: Yeah. Like he's, yeah that's it's
2: also just being a prick, right?
0: I mean, that's like, <laughs> yeah. that's like just don't say that. I, that's yeah. kind of one of the things that I think is going to be interesting here, is like the people who are really anti-Corbyn, if they fully double down on that, like people within the Labour Party... Then they're just going to look like really shitty people more than anything else. Especially when,
1: if he were to go, they would—they don't have any ideas. They don't know what to replace him with. they—they yeah. they would just—they they wouldn't have anyone to blame anymore. But um, so that would be fun to watch them sort of, you know, um, struggle on their own. But um, yeah, it, it, you, you could have more sympathy if they were like, "No, we need to be doing this instead of Corbin. But they—they they don't. Have that proposition.
0: I think it's going to be really fun seeing loads more interviews with centre-left Labour MPs, where they kind of do that weird, dodgy tactic thing, where they're asked whether or not they're kind of behind Corbyn, and they just keep saying stuff about the party uniting. Like, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. It's like interviews where people are like, "Do you actually think that your leader can be prime minister?" And people will just be replying with like, "We've got to unite," over and over again.
2: Like yeah, I'm something. here to talk about yeah, look, the the I'm Tory not, cuts. That, yeah. But do you think your party's good? I'm here to talk. (laughs) About the Tory cuts. I'm not going to be drawn into a debate on whether or not. (laughs) I'm not going to be drawn into a debate. It's
1: not time to discuss politics. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to be drawn into a debate about whether the Labour Party is actually any good at all. What I am saying.
0: I think this is a real thing right now. Like, there there are going to be loads and loads of U turns because there are so many people who, when it was all in the abstract, we were all able to have these debates about whether or not Corbyn was a viable Prime Minister, whether he was the right person for the job. But suddenly now it's like, oh shit, this is all real and we all have to actually campaign for this. This stuff therefore there's gonna be loads of people who probably three days ago were you know writing articles about why there needs to be a change at the top of labor who now are suddenly going to have to say hey guys call to arms let's all you know get behind jeremy corbyn
2: if i was like a blairite or something surely now you just got to get behind the party and just
1: do it and just like bear this six weeks see what happens they've been dishonest about more grave things (laughs) than pretending (laughs) to care about their party um but but, you know i mean Mélenchon in france a few weeks ago 11 percent now we might get through the first round you never you never know you never know i i I don't even i I mean the comparisons are so institutionally and formally different as to make the comparison not even worth doing but we should still make the comparison because you don't know what can happen um,
2: what do you think about the idea of a progressive alliance, which the Greens uh, are putting forward, which would be all the non-Tories having some kind of strategic plan to not screw each other over? Is that a go?
1: Um, I, I, I couldn't, couldn't really say it would, it would be an informal alliance after the fact, right? There's no, there's no way that before the ballot, any, any of these, that, that there's no time or political will for Labour, especially, is you know, so tribalist. It, w- it wouldn't, wouldn't do any formal alliance, but after the fact, whether there could be some sort of, I remember they were speaking like a rainbow coalition. Remember in the last general election, I mean, the Lib Dems have already said they would rather share power with the Tories than with Labor and they all despise Jeremy Corbyn. Um so I can't imagine that happening.
2: Um so it would come down to as you said that that Google Doc going around of people sharing, here's who to vote if you don't want a Tory. It would be like almost like the a grassroots idea of that imposing itself upon the parties who whether they want it or not, kind of thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. It would it would require so much like political will, so much compromise, and whilst that would be going on, just like the pure, you know, amorphous historical evil of the Tory Party would just be forming itself into a new government, and no, <laughs> no one would even re- notice. Yeah.
0: That said, to disagree slightly, I reckon there could be something that happens pre-election day. I think that if there was some kind of conversation between Corbyn's Labour and the Green Party and maybe the SNP and Probably not the Liberal Democrats, but let's just mm. throw them into the mix for the sake of it. If you remember during like the whole of the last general election, the, the one that was like five minutes ago... Um the SNP stuff was so damaging to ed Miliband, precisely because whenever he was drawn on it he couldn't really comment as to like whether or not he was prepared to you know go into a coalition he was so shady on that subject and that was one of the real things that he was absolutely battered with i actually wonder whether if there was a constructive conversation that happened between these parties and they were open during the campaign about the fact that like yeah we will all kind of uh Join forces we will all be in a coalition government if uh, if we're voted for maybe transparency on that and actually kind of rebranding that as a positive thing maybe that would actually work i don't know maybe it wouldn't be as damaging as kind of a shady you know will they won't they
2: situation what do we think is going to happen to ukip in all this they feel a bit sidelined and sort of outside the conversation and if, if may is making this a kind of mandate for brexit it feels like the tories will hoover up the brexit vote mm. Um, but maybe that's naive I don't know what do you think
1: no I think you're right there. the Tories have absorbed the the rhetoric and and the positions of UKIP and sort of it seems like they've been for now successful in sort of uh, sort of de uh, you know neutralizing them um I'm sure we will see um, a disproportionate amount of UKIP politicians appearing on platforms on our TV the next six weeks. Um, but uh, it, as, a, as a political force, they don't seem yet to be really figuring into this at all. Um, I mean,
2: they're a bit of a mess at the moment, right? Yeah. Clacton could be quite interesting. Um, it's quite a confusing situation. But Aaron Banks, who has backed UKIP financially in the past, Uh, is looking to stand, maybe as a UKIP candidate, maybe as part of his new political formation, the Patriotic Alliance. Then you've got Douglas Carswell, who used to be the Conservative MP there, then defected to UKIP, then left UKIP. seems like he's going to stand as an independent, but it just looks like slightly depressed Seaside Town is going to get the battle of the kind of... Awful, weird
1: fascists and far right. Well, yeah,
2: I mean that's one way to put it. I was going to say um, the the you know those people who think they're anti-establishment and they're just so incredibly not yeah like super rich businessmen who think they're like railing against the establishment, actual former Conservative Party MPs who think they're anti-establishment, all having a big fucking dick waving contest yeah on the on the Essex coast.
1: A lot of Theresa May's popularity now in the polls is sh- all these migratory UK people are buoying her up and um,
2: by migratory do you mean hating on migrants or do you mean they've migrated from UK oh they've
1: like, migrated from UK but they also hate, hate migrants as well. Yeah. So, um, but they aren't found, find themselves in the position of being political migrants right yeah, yeah. Moved, right. <laughs> um, so but um, yeah and but uh, she's, cause she has that support now as as the whole Brexit negotiations carry on and as that maybe falls apart they might be looking to go somewhere else but for now they seem to be endorsing her mm
0: does I mean, Douglas Carswell actually said recently he was like when he said that he wasn't going to be standing with UKIP anymore his words were if you voted UKIP in 2015 the job is now done which is kind of I mean I'm not that I agree with him hugely but that's maybe quite a nice sign that maybe UKIP are going to return to being a comedy fringe group mm. uh, not like as in the Edinburgh fringe as in on the sides I realize I made them that that made them sound like an improv troupe uh <laughs> But as in maybe Maybe this this will be, I like the thought that maybe this election, they'll return to being on the sidelines. They'll maybe create some like funny gaffes. But by and large, we'll be able to kind of conglomerate
2: all the nasty people into one party again. Thanks, Johan. Thanks, Angus. You're the most hashtag broken Britain we've ever had on the podcast. The British Dream was produced by Sam Bonham at Rethink Audio. We were planning on putting out the podcast once a month, but since Theresa May let this cat out of the bag, we're a bit unsure when the next podcast is going to be. More soon anyway. Stay positive.
1: There's too much politics going on at the moment.